words um, is never I can say pro-Russian, but it's you know sympathetic. Is the area, you know, people in Kazakhstan, in Uzbekistan, they are uh, more sympathetic. Not necessarily now. Now the things are no, changing. About, about about people I know of what I'm talking about this specific guy because I've been like I, I've said I've been watching him and for uh, quite some time well i stopped watching him when the war started because uh, when the invasion started uh because it's you know uh, those most of the experts they are you know don't really have uh, too much information but uh so uh, but it didn't feel to me that he was too pro-russian but anyway i i if, if you say so I'm not watching him anymore, and I would not recommend anyone because he is more like a couch expert, I think. But Constantine, uh, uh, Constantine, uh, usual. It is good to get a feeling. Uh, like I said, he's not pro-Russian. He's just sympathetic. Uh, last video is not. I don't think you can characterize how will the Russian Federation disintegrate being something sympathetic, but. Uh, I think in his feeling, he's changed a bit the the tempo, and is Azerbaijani. Azerbaijan um, is more close to Turkey than Russia because they beat you, Armenia, who is staunchly an ally of Russia, and. Uh, I think it's a personal feeling. Not imagine he said, okay. wow, Putin is a great uh, guy. Never. Uh, okay, I got it. Thank you. Thank you for addressing that. Thank you for for uh, explaining. Uh, Goni, is there something you'd like to add to that? Yeah, I can't, I can't believe I forgot it in my uh, when I was thanking Daniel there. Uh, Daniel, I'm going to take lessons on your, your dry humor style and your Romanian dry humor style. Um, I, I've got some dry humor, but yours is is up there. So I'm taking notes, sir. I'm taking notes, uh, and I appreciate it. I just can't believe I forgot that. Thank you. Um, one thing I'd like to quickly add, and then we'll uh, uh, hand it off to Explorer, is regarding what Daniel was saying um, as it relates to the importance of the Russian rail network um, and you know potential disintegration of the Russian Federation and regionalism within Russia. I would strongly recommend that for those of you who have not read any of his Twitter threads, I would recommend you go look at anything or preferably everything um, that Camille Galiv has written. Um, his Twitter handle is at Camille Kazani. Um, he has written some absolutely brilliant and fantastic and very long threads on essentially every single one of the topics that Daniel just touched on from Chechnya to Dagestan to, you know, regionalism within Russia, the rail network, the way it's all linked together, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I'd strongly advise anybody who hasn't read his threads to go read them because they touch upon basically everything that Daniel just mentioned. Uh, Explorer, on to you. Um, I was highly engaged when Daniel was speaking and super bummed when the chat was uh, cut off. Uh, and that's basically the perfect way for me to end my evening because Daniel, you know, that, that, that spark of hope, I only echo what Gurney said. That spark of hope is fantastic. I'm half German. So for me, I've been incredibly disappointed about what my countrymen are doing. And um, 
to hear Daniel talk about, you know, being so enthusiastic and viewing today is a great day and one step closer to NATO and to your, your membership is, uh, it's, it's really, I'm really happy about that. I was so happy when the space came back on and I was looking, I didn't know if it was Daniel, or if it was Constantine speaking. And then I saw him pop up to the speaker thing too. And I thought, oh, that's the guy. And I am so glad Daniel came back to finish his thoughts. That's it. I'll drop back down to listener. Yeah. If, oh, if I put, uh, sorry, Daniel, ahead, if I could put uh, a semi, a semi official request into you to, uh, to give us your perspective for the uh, 15 minutes every every day at this time, uh, I, I I heard you a couple of days back, and then then again, and then the the Indiana Jones plane chase uh, again. But uh, but your eye is drawn to certain things, and and I appreciate your your input on those. But I but I really appreciate the the character you add to the space uh, with with your humor tonight and and with your outlook. So thank you, sir. You make me blush, Gordon. You are more more competent than me. Well, who who else is going to uh, talk about chasing Lithuanian planes when uh, when we could be you know arguing about uh, global politics? Uh, I have a big problem because usually I'm too optimistic, uh, but uh, you, you know, um, imagine I'm Romanian. I'm close to the border. Are twenty kilometers from my city in Galatz is the border with Ukraine and. Uh, Republic of Moldova. This country is getting the candidate status. I hope, really, really hope nobody, uh, this is talking to Hungarians and Orban, nobody will try something. If these countries go in European Union 10 years from here, uh, 10 years for reforms, judicial system, uh, reforms, uh, institutional reforms that will change Ukraine dramatically. Uh, if you look, Romania 20 years ago was hugely corrupted, hugely. We still have corruption. We still have problems. We still have political quagmire. But the standards of living are immensely uh, better. For example, Romania under Ceausescu was 12 times less rich than is now. 12 times. These European Union come with money, with institutions, with rules. And these rules are very, very important. Very important. Keep your just, uh, justice system free from political influence. Uh, keep your markets open. Uh, don't try to steal money from the state, from European Union. Respect and apply the laws for all the rights of the citizen. Uh, respect every minority right. These are very important issues. All the Eastern European countries have issues with minorities. Some get better, some not so fast. But Usually, everybody tries better because, you know, you have a political leadership in your capital, but you have the rules of Brussels. You have uh, a military alliance with Washington and very good economical links. So things are very important when you are 
in European Union or in the long process to become a European country. For Ukraine, this will be extraordinary. Imagine, after the war, usual, you have war profiteers, speculants. Imagine people coming back to their homes. You need to rebuild bridges, roads. This, under the European Union watch, European clerks and administration, this will get better. Less stealing, less corruption. And this is good for Ukraine. And the idea Ukraine is getting this candidate status with Moldova is very important. For Ukraine, now the Transnistria problem will become less a problem. You know, will not be a gap from uh, Ukraine to all the European countries. No blank spot. So things will be smoother. I don't need to tell you about commerce, uh, interconnection with roads, railroads. All the things change. Uh, European Union uh, is a huge market. Is a big financial hub. Is a big producer of industrial output. So things will be good. For Ukraine, it will be very, very good. And and Let's, could I add, Daniel? You won't. They they won't. No one will have to be taking meetings with uh, with Taliban. <laughs> uh, the meetings are important. <laughs> uh, for example, uh, European Union have three levels of leadership. First is Council of Europe. Council of Europe is uh, a meeting of now 27 member states when the prime ministers and presidents go and they need to reach an accord is unanimous. So it's very, very democratic. You have a second tier that is the European Commission. Van der Leyen is now the president of the European Commission. A very, very good lady in political issues, and she shined of the beginning of this war. And the third layer is the European Parliament, where the laws, the regulation for all Europe are set. For Ukraine, it will be very nice because um, the number of parliamentarians for the European Parliament is decided by the population. With 44 million uh, citizens, they will get twice as many parliamentarians than Romania. We have 33, they will get double, almost 70. This is important because uh, the Zelensky party is in uh, allied with ALDE. ALDE is a liberal party which uh, contain the liberals from uh, Poland, our uh, liberals from here, not the National Party, but the USR, and is the French party of President Macron also. He is the third uh, party in the European Parliament. The first are the Populars, which are led by the party of former Chancellor Merkel. The second are Social Democrats, which is member the actual Chancellor party, and the third are the Liberals, where the Zelensky party is now a member. 
Europe is complicated, but it's not nice because it's complicated. It's a bit better than be party, two parties in uh, a country. I, I'm rambling enough. I need to go to work. Uh, Daniel, if you have a moment, um, I have a question from a listener for you um, regarding um, if you can speak to this Romanian um, oil or gas exports. Uh, so I got, the question from the listener is, is Romania able to export oil or gas to Europe to help with the crisis? Uh, I know they have the Costanza oil fields. Um, would that be of use to um, uh, alleviating the current energy uh, crisis as it relates to Russia? Uh, no, we don't have oil fields in Constanza. Constanza is a big port and just that. Uh, we have gas in the Black Sea shelf. Uh, we have it, a big problem for years because the law of offshore was blocked. Now it's adopted three weeks ago. They start exploring some years ago. Uh, three days ago, they start production. They will add an output of one billion, maybe one billion and a half uh, metric cubes of gas. Um, sadly, the estimation are is not enough from this exploitation to get exports for Moldova. Uh, we import in the winter time from Gazprom, maybe 20, maybe 40, uh, regarding how the climate is in that winter, and never imported directly. We imported, uh, via a proxy company from Switzerland. But uh, in the summertime, we don't import anything about gas. The oil is almost depleted because uh, in the World War II, Germany used it, our oil for the military. And after that, the Russians just dried up almost everything. We have some oil deep, uh, expensive, but uh, they can exploit more. What I know is is a new uh, gas deposit they discover uh, in Buzou, which maybe they will add the estimation another billion of metric cubes, and is another uh, exploration made it by. Uh, I'm not sure which company from USA doesn't matter. Is an exploration made it, but is not the exploitation started. But uh, we are optimistic they will do it uh, next year, and that will add some uh, production ready for exports. Uh, problem was with uh, interconnection with Hungary. Uh, the Hungarians made it anything to not do it, the interconnection. Electrical grids are connected. We are connected with Moldova and Ukraine, with Hungary and Bulgaria. But with gas, uh, the interconnection with Hungary was not made because is the Turkish stream, which is coming from Turkey, Bulgaria, Serbia to Hungary. And... <laughs> That was uh, the irony when Gazprom cut the Bulgaria out of gas. 
they cannot get from them the gas, but uh, the gas transit from them, Turkey, Bulgaria, to Serbia, their ally. Uh, is an irony. Uh, we have some problem because uh, some uh, American companies coming five, six years ago to exploit some uh, shell gas and uh, with some ecology movement, but now the suspicions are very great. There was some Russian influence to stop that exploration. And maybe they'll resume because we have uh, uh, gas and oil uh, in similar um, geological strata like in USA. But, you know, the people said pollution, earthquakes, you know the stuff. But our perspectives, in one, two, maybe three years, we can get gas for uh, export. Now we're reaching uh, the full independence. We are the less dependent country in the Eastern Europe about gas. But with oil is other discussion. Uh, thank you very much for that, Daniel. Um, the the listener uh, DM me that very much answered their question. Um, Christian, you had your hand up. Uh, was there something that you wanted to ask or comment on? Yeah, I just uh, wanted to add uh, a bit on what Daniel said. Uh, by the way, Daniel, good morning. I'm in Bucharest. <laughs> I, I don't even want to know at what time you got up. <laughs> so, uh, just wanted to add, for example, if you can imagine 20 years ago, he's spot on with the um, life uh, or with the richness of the country under the European Union. So maybe 20 years ago, it was under 20 billion euros. And right now it's at 248.7 billion euros. So that's uh, the money that... Uh, <laughs> Romania gets on an annual basis and uh, we have good prospects for um, an increase, a yearly increase. So um, uh, another thing that I wanted to say was about the um, energy uh, imports uh, during the winter time. Uh, from what I know, uh, I might be wrong, but uh, not it doesn't really have to do anything with... Um, needing a little bit extra it's just about diversification uh we did uh we were able to be fully independent before i might be wrong i'm not an expert on this uh, it's just what i i i knew from the time when i was in parliament um and uh right now of course, uh, it's not enough what Daniel said. Uh, I mean, it's enough what Daniel said, but it's not enough for us to export. Uh, but we do have potential. We do have potential to, in the future, maybe to supply three other uh, countries. So that's what I wanted said, to say. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much for that, Christian. Um, I, I see that we don't have any hands up. I believe that Ben is going to be coming up um, in about 10, 15 minutes to uh, assist as second, as another co-host, um, help uh, helm the, uh, the SS Walter report. Uh, Gurney, uh, something you want to add? 
Uh, I was just going to say, so so Ben's sense of humor matches Daniel's sense of humor. So I think the two of them together work work quite well. Uh, that's all I was going to add. But there was a Yo Yo Joanna. I think had her hand up. Oh, please go ahead, uh, Johanna. Uh, yeah, I think you mean Jonah. Hopefully, that's me. Um, and my apologies. I want to I want to say my daughter in law is Romanian. Hooray! I live in uh, Canada, and my question is, how do you spell? The at I've been trying so hard to remember Camille Constantin, like you were saying oh. that. Oh yeah. yes, uh, that's all okay. I wanted to ask, but I didn't know <laughs> no worries. who to DM. You know, just spell um, it. I, I couldn't find it. That was my bad. I should have spelled it. Does it, it start out. with um, a C? So it's spelled Camille Kazani is his Twitter handle. It's spelled K A M I L um, K A Z. A and I. Okay. Uh, K-A-M-I-L-K. I'm going to go and try and enter that. So bye. Okay. Actually, right. what I'll go ahead and do is I'll go ahead and um, he has a pinned tweet, I believe, which is just like a super thread of all the threads he's ever written. I'll go ahead and slap that up in the nest. It's, just, it's a fantastic resource. Thank you. I think uh, we might be able to coax Portland out of... Uh, out of his uh, slumber. No, he's not. He's not sleeping. But uh, Portland had asked uh, what the topic is at the moment. Uh, so maybe we can uh, get him up here uh, to go along with Daniel and and uh, Christian and Constantine. Gunny's at work listening, so uh, we'll we'll let Gunny uh, focus on the switches. Drop uh, me down. Don't... So a, a potentially interesting point has just been brought to my attention, courtesy of Ben. Um, and since we have two Romanians on here, this is the perfect time to ask. Um, uh, I have been t- apparently informed that there's been discussion that Romania has potentially not been allowing uh, its citizens to join the uh, International Legion in Ukraine. Um, is that correct? Do either Daniel or Christian, do either of you have any, in, uh, any information on that or can provide clarification? I asked uh, Roman, God bless his soul, about this. He had no information from our official uh, people are discouraged but not so hard because we have uh, people who come from foreign legion the french foreign legion we have people who have strong ties they have uh, wives in ukraine or moldavia uh, another problem is is very very easy to make a confusion from Moldavian to Romanian because they speak the same language. And we have no statistic if we have people in uh, Ukrainian foreign legion. So um, I don't have any uh, information about that, at least not direct information. But uh, as the same goes for the other European uh, NATO countries, of course, it's officially discouraged but uh, they can't really do anything about it and I agree with Daniel that we do have a lot of uh, ex-foreign uh, French Foreign Legion uh, fighters uh, I don't know if they've joined I don't know um, if it's the case but uh, I do agree with Daniel that um, it's really hard to tell apart Romanian from a Moldovian, Moldavian so that might be it I don't know to be honest uh, was a statement from the Russian foreign ministry who said they are 
3,500 Romanians. And of course, our government denied. Yeah, definitely. Well, uh, they actually uh, declared that Romania wants to grab Moldova. So <laughs> it's not really a, a good source of information, but I'm guessing that it might be. I don't know. It seems the Russians really, really love to project their imperialist fantasies onto others. It's just like with the constant uh, narrative that they keep pushing that Poland's going to try to annex the western half of Ukraine. It's just utterly asinine. There's a classical uh, uh, projection from the Russians. The Russians is very easy to say, oh, Romania will take parts of Ukraine. Oh, Poland will take parts of Ukraine. Uh, Let's be bloody serious. If we try something like that, Ukraine will crush us. Oh, I second that. Uh, We don't have uh, any political, any drive to do something like this. Even our extremist party, the far-right party, who had some drives like uh, our legacy, which is, of course, bullshit, because... uh, we cannot claim the northern Bukovina, the Chernowitz Oblast from Ukraine. Um, they was uh, in the Great Unification in 1918, was part of Romania until uh, Molotov-Ribbentrop. But <laughs> that part of former uh, Austro-Hungarian Empire was never in Romanian majority. It was a very cosmopolitan uh, uh, people, a lot of Jews, a lot of Ukrainians, a lot of Rutans, how we say in Romania, uh, Germans. Uh, so was not a historical province of Moldavia, how our national realistic uh, historians on, I don't know, regular people tell it. Uh, in fact, is a problem with not a problem, uh, a historical legacy of uh, Western Odessa Oblast. That was the part of the South Moldavia, but that territory was changed with the Russian Empire in 19th century, so we can get. Um, the Danube Delta and Dobroja after we fight with Russians against the Turks. And this was reglemented in the Peace of Berlin. So these are, you know, in any small or bigger country in Europe, you have the claims of your neighbors. But political, this is not a discourse, I don't know, 80 years, 90 years. You cannot claim your neighbor territory. We are not Russians. Look, if I may, um, of course, there are uh, even in uh, higher levels of uh, government people who uh, romanticize about the past and um, they may be more nationalistic. But uh, just to add uh, uh, to what Daniel said, there is no political uh, aim towards uh, those territories. Uh, even, let's just say, let's just have an exercise. Even if somebody would want that, 
just imagine uh, that after 1945 and before, even before, uh, there was an exchange of populations and it's no longer, uh, not even close to what uh, whatever we had. So, of course, there might be some uh, extremists right now, as Daniel said, um, uh, but they're not the majority. They're not the majority. I do uh, worry, to be honest, about... Uh, well, you know how it is, uh, the general population, uh, most of them from misinformation or ignorance or uh, bad history lessons uh, still think, not all of them, at least not the educated ones, still dream about uh, Greater Romania or uh, have, or how um, uh, the, Greek, the Greeks have uh, Megali uh, idea and so on and so on but it's no longer relevant and we have no political aims no annexation um, ideas we just in in the current situation as our president has just said we fully support ukraine there's not even a, a hint of anything like that uh, we can say something very easy if our people will know what our Romanian army has done in 40s in Odessa. We'll have such a shame. We will never open our mouth. In 1941-42, when the Romanian army administrated the south of Ukraine in Odessa, after a partisan attack of the uh, chief command of the Romanian army, the reprisal from our soldiers was so horrible, even SS officers was terrified. We killed in three days, our army, 20,000 Jews. When the Jewish movement call us about our Holocaust, we usually run away. We say, Oh, but part of Transylvania was under Hungarians. Uh, we save a lot of Jews. Um, our queen is a, a rightful person in Jerusalem on, in a Jewish memorial. But in fact, what our army done to the Jews of Odessa is more than shameful. And majority of our people didn't know this. And we try to not remember anything like this because it's such a shame. But if this will exit from historical evidence and go to the general public, even the most nationalistic voices will be silenced because you, can, you don't have the moral ground. And let me add something like this. Are Romanian minorities in Ukraine. Sometimes they say, oh, but we are not treated very well. This is just political discourse. It's their problem, how they relate with Kiev. But when you enter in European Union, the borders doesn't matter. The rules are the same. The, the relations are the same. The dreams of Romanians was the uniting with Moldova Republic, but that is stupid, because now it's very easy. If Moldova and Ukraine become European Union members, 
you can cross borders like is no border. Already Moldavians and now the Ukrainians can cross the border with no visa. So the future is bright without nationalism. Can I ask a question? Uh, shoot, Luca. Thank you. Um, the, so, sorry, I came in like halfway through the discussion about Moldova. Is, are, are we talking about like potential uh, um, um, admission of Moldova into the European Union? Yes. Has this been uh, uh, declared today? Because I know that uh, today they discuss about Ukraine, but uh, uh, is this in the plan? Do they miss that news? They are both uh, given a candidate status by the Macron, Scholz, uh, Super Mario, and our president, Johannes. Ah, Even Moldova. Georgia. Yeah, Georgia, I, I, I heard, but I missed uh, Moldova. Okay. My Moldova. Question, then, uh, yeah, then my question about Moldova, thank you for clarifying that, is very simple. If we give Moldova a candidate status, what is the plan to deal with the Transinistra where there are ra Russian troops and, you know, what's the, what's the plan for that? Or is there a plan or like, anyway, what's your comment? They cannot access reinforcement from Russians. They cannot do anything economic if uh, the border with Ukraine is closed. They cannot do anything military and economically they are isolated. So they are pragmatic people. They understand where the future is. And imagine something like that. The president of this uh, separatist republic is citizen of Romania because they want to move to Europe. I see, I see. exploding when he's not uh, taking the Taliban entourage. Like I said, Taliban slap it in their face in Moscow. Um, on this point, this does raise an interesting question. Um, I'm not sure if Daniel or Christian or Gurney or anybody else here is in a position to an answer this, but as I understand it, um, one of the various EU treaties contains a mutual defense clause. Um, it's somewhat similar to NATO. Article 7. Thank you. Um, it's more nebulous and vague than NATO's Article 5. Um, and it's less explicit that, you know, in NATO, in Article 5's case, it's, you know, 
an armed attack against one is an armed attack against all um, rather explicitly. The Article 7, um, as it relates to the EU, seems to be more vague, but one of the big concerns with, you know, say Moldova or Ukraine or Georgia, you know, joining, you know, NATO is they have ongoing territorial disputes. And if they join while before these disputes are resolved, they could, you know, potentially immediately trigger Article 5 right out of the gate. Um, is that a concern with EU membership for, you know, say Moldova or Georgia? Um, in the case of Ukraine, hopefully the uh, the territorial dispute, shall we say, shall be resolved and uh, with relatively soon, um, but in the crate in, in the case of Moldova and Georgia, you know, is that potentially a problem? Uh, not necessarily. If you look with big care about Article Five of NATO, you see the in the NATO treaty is not so specifically. If somebody attack, we everybody send our soldiers. Is much more political than that but it's about political will. Because if you look in European treaties, never, I said never, is specified you can send European money to buy military stuff to send to Ukraine. But the political will of the Ursula von der Leyen changed that because it was backed by European countries. And even... Uh, if that law of uh, support for a country in need never say something military, we buy stuff and send it. So, usual, every treaty, if it's not backed by political will, it have no strong measure. Uh, if uh, USA triggered after 9-11 Article 5, was the will of the other countries to comply. It's not necessary uh, an instant reaction. Imagine Budapest Memorandum was a treaty and everybody used it like toilet paper. So usual treaties are very powerful when you have the political will to sustain them. And about European treaty of uh, uh, help, just quoting from my mind, is help and assistance don't exclude military assistance. And the other side, I can say something like this. Ukraine have a good army and probably will have better army than have now. So they are not scared to fight Russians now. Later, they will be much powerful and with better support and with big political backup from Europeans and North Americans. I can add something to that. I think another thing to consider is that once you uh, achieve the candidate status, okay, that's where it can get a little wishy-washy because like um, it will still take uh, like, um, let's just say seven years, right? I, I forgot how much it took Romania. I think I heard seven. But let's say like five to ten, you know, so let's just average seven. So <clears throat> that means that really you have seven years to resolve all the territorial disputes, right? And and the process can be dragged on a little bit more. So, yeah. Uh, we, have, we have a member of European Union, which is called Cyprus. Cyprus is separated in three parts. The English part, 
Turkish part and Greek part. And this not stop them to be European members. Good point. Yeah, great point. Uh, Liberal, you have your hand up something like that. Hey, John. Hey, good evening, Gurney. Uh, good evening, panel. Um, I had a question. I kind of checked out. I'm usually um, listening to the Wealth Report 24-7. I fall asleep to it, wake up to it, and then I listen to it at work. Um, my coworkers always ask me who's winning the war, like it's a game, but I just have it in the background because I want to stay um, involved with what's going on. So I understand that, um, and maybe this was discussed earlier, uh, Romania, Germany, France, Italy visited Kiev, and I wanted to ask the room, since I missed a lot of this, I was watching the NBA finals, um, what's the mood post-visit? Was it just a photo op, or was there something concrete that um, the Ukrainians can gain from that visit? Because... Um, I'm reading articles, and it seems to be split as far as, uh, you know, I think uh, Macron is pledging six more Caesars to Ukraine and, and um, increasing production of Caesars. I really feel like I checked out, and sometimes I have to because this is really intense. But I was wondering if I could uh, count on the room to fill me in. What is the result of this visit? It's kind of monumental for European leaders, um, you know, being in Kyiv and uh, meeting with Zelensky. If anyone could speak to that, thank you. Uh, Gurney, do you want to take this? Liberal, good evening. Um, your, your timing, it's most awful on the question. No, I'm, I'm, I'm joking. Um, we, we, we just had uh, Daniel and, um, and Christian here, uh, both from Romania. Uh, so they were just commenting... Uh, uh, earlier in the night, uh, some people were asking the same question, and there was some disappointment uh, in terms of the mood uh, from from their perspective. Uh, and then our, our wonderful Romanian friends here um, uh, were so kind to come up and, and share their optimistic perspective uh, from the conversation, because there was, uh, you know, from from my perspective, there was uh, maybe nothing nothing eventful to come from the meeting, uh, but clearly that 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 didn't happen because after the meeting uh the 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 ua and and president zelensky uh released statements uh with with some exuberance in them saying that they were very pleased with the discussions and obviously from the discussions we heard about candidate status uh you know support for candidate status and along with that romanian friends here were talking about uh you know they're not only ukraine uh support for you for ukraine to have eu candidate status but moldova as well um, and they just they just got done talking about that conversation. So so, yeah, I mean, I think the I think some people are are split on it, uh, but the, it's sort of like, look at it what you will. If you want to see disappointment in it, some people are taking that message. Uh, I personally think the message of that is uh, is, is actually hopefully op- optimistic. Um, it's it seems much different than the nothing burger. I thought it was going to be, uh, you know, I, that a lot of us thought it was going to be. So I, I, I can't see any negatives in it. Um, I just, uh, uh, I, I see it as, as much better than envisioned. Um, and I was buoyed a little bit here, uh, with Christian and our friend Daniel, uh, from Romania because, uh, they came up in, in sort of response and, uh, had a very optimistic take on it. And I, I wish you were here for the conversation cause it was, it was fantastic. Thank you, Gurney. I wish I was there as well. Um, like I said, I'm typically dialed in, um, whether it's in my car or at work 
or at home. Um, but I kind of needed to take a break. And, um, you know, the NBA finals, if, you know, I know we're talking to people around the world. It's, it's a basketball league. And uh, the team that I favor was playing and I was kind of locked into that. It was a welcome um, relief from the constant sense of, of, of pressure and, and stress that I get from following this war. But thank you, Gurney. I appreciate your response. Yeah. Well, so, welcome. Warriors or Celtic? Your team, Liberal. <laughs> I'm sorry. What was the question? Your team is like Warriors or Celtics? Because you know I'm in Palo Alto, so you can guess which team uh, I was. I was rooting for tonight. Dub Nation all the way. Oh, I see. Um, so going to hands in just a second. Um, there was one other thing I wanted to quickly mention that I meant to earlier, a couple hours ago, earlier today. Um, but I totally forgot to. So it was my understanding that there were three countries that had expressed opposition to Ukraine being granted EU candidate status. They were the Netherlands, Denmark, and a third as of yet uh, unknown country. It is my understanding that um, uh, if it is recommended, I believe, by the European Commission, which it almost certainly will be, that Denmark has stated they will drop their opposition and support Ukraine's bid. So I believe that just leaves the Netherlands and one other unnamed country, assuming they haven't already, you know, greenlit it as well. Um, just thought I'd add that. Um, so let's go on to some hands. I believe it was Washer and then um, uh, Nicola. Hi, thank you. Uh, thank you all for the, uh, the space. It's a wonderful space as always. Um, I wish I was as optimistic uh for Ukraine and the EU and NATO as, as other people. But I, I believe the Russian strategy of conflict in Georgia and Russia and Transnistria is specifically targeted at not allowing a country uh, to join the EU or NATO when they have a conflict ongoing. And so uh, it's, uh, I think that that's, I think that's the, that's the strategy is to uh, to have these conflicts ongoing in any satellite uh, former satellite states. Uh, so um, perhaps that's changed if if the EU and NATO decide to change that. But um, that that I think is in their rule. Could could I ask a question? Sure. Uh, Washer. Um, so if that's uh, you presented that if, as that's if that's their playbook, I guess I would just ask you is, is but what is there to be disappointed about in the sense that um, you're seeing uh, you just saw 50 nations gather uh, defense ministers gather at Ramstein yesterday uh, to direct their support for Ukraine uh, in this invasion. So I guess i'm 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 one of the most cynical people there are i'm i'm not an optimist uh for optimist sake uh but in terms of uh just because you 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 know someone has a playbook uh that's great you know if, if there's a bad actor and people start to recognize finally that there's perhaps a bad actor um and instead of just having that rec recognition and realization that it's occurring uh but to actually uh move forward in uh, in concert together to support against that. I, I'm look. I, I I I'm I'm optimistic in the sense that we're finally confronting a problem, uh, and we're we're helping, uh, and we're supporting Ukraine, uh, so that playbooks like this don't exist in the future. Uh, past this point. So uh, I just take your statement as as more 
uh, optimism to say, look, we're coming around to address the fundamental problem. We've woken up to it um, and we're pledging our steadfast support. And, and so are all the people in this room. Oh, no, I, I, I hope that's true. I mean, that's uh, something that I've been wishing for for a long time. And uh, I'm just that that's, you know, I think for the past three months and 10 years and 100 years, uh, unfortunately, uh, been uh, the case. They've been rejecting uh, new uh, members, member states based on if you have a conflict, then uh, you can't join. And uh, <laughs> that just gives Putin the incentive to create uh, incursions uh, into every possible state that is against him. Uh, so uh, I am for it. I hope that they are, are, will follow through on that. And um, yeah, no, I think that's great. And uh, Slavo Kuni, thank you. Uh, thank you, Washer. Um, before we go to uh, Nikola, just a qu- on, the, on the subject of disputed territories, I'd like to pose a very brief question if anybody wants to take this. Um, what do y'all assess the likelihood that once this is all said and done and the Russians have been uh, driven back, what do y'all assess the likelihood that um, uh, a, a brigade or two or of Ukrainians just, uh, you know, uh, trots across the, the Dniester and whacks the operation of a group of Russian forces there, just for good measure? If I can. Please go ahead. Uh, that would be totally unadvisable in my opinion. Let's not forget that um, right now, this is a war of aggression. It's an offensive war. So he has no legitimacy uh, within his government to actually push the nuclear button. But uh, if this war becomes a defensive war, which threatens the existence of the Russian state, that might well be the case because right now, if he, in my opinion, if he tries to push the button, he's going to be executed or uh, overthrown and whatever because he still still has uh, people there that uh, still think. That's my hope. Maybe it's just wishful thinking, but I, I, I believe that. Even with dictators, there are people who just go along until the point they, they cannot. But if it turns into a defensive war, that is a big no-no. So that's that's what actually uh, the United States and NATO and the European countries have uh, sustained all along. Like no going into Russia. Uh, in my opinion, it doesn't even take that. Uh, it, it's not necessary for Ukrainians to actually go on the offensive on the foreign territory, because in my opinion, if uh, the Russians will be uh, pushed back even out, uh, out of uh, Crimea and whatnot. Um, I think they're going to have a really, really serious problem, really serious problem, problem. like way worse that, uh, that it was uh, the case in 91. In my opinion, there is a potential scenario where uh, from civil war and social unrest and uh, the sanctions won't be dropped too soon, in my opinion. Uh, there's going to be a, um, maybe, maybe, in a potential scenario, a civil war, which may lead to the self-break, or at least of some republics like Buryatia or uh, Dagestan or Ingushetia in the Caucasus and uh, Central Asia. 
even even let's not forget that in my opinion the chinese are really looking with puppy eyes at uh, the oriental territories of uh, the russian federation so to just shorten the answer that would be really really uh, a bad move in my opinion but christian you would agree that you know Transnistria is not part of Russia, nor do the Russians even claim it to um, uh, uh, be part of Russia. So I, I, I'm slightly skeptical that it would provoke that severe response. I mean, oh, obviously, oh, sorry. You were talking about Transnistria. Uh, yes, yes, yes. Oh, oh, okay, okay, okay. So that's a difficult question. I don't think Moldova wants that. It's up to Moldova to request help, but I don't think it's going to be the case because uh, in the second, in my opinion, that uh, Russian Federation is defeated and pushed back. As Daniel said uh, earlier, they have uh, they are um, landlocked. They are uh, um, ignored. Uh, in every which way, they have no support, no economical support, no air support, no military support. Uh, they'll, I think they're going to fold in, in my opinion. And uh, that is a, um, a point they'll have to work on, the Republic of Moldova, because as uh, the ideas were said uh, before, it is a, is, it is a point for um, European ascension and to the candidate status to resolve all your uh, all your uh, territorial and ethnic uh, and civil problems before you get the European uh, membership. So uh, I don't think it's going to be necessary. I don't think it's going to be necessary. Uh, there may be, I don't know, up to 2,000, the numbers are sketchy, 2,000 Russian pacifiers, if I can call it that, and um, maybe up to 10,000 uh, Transnistrian, so-called Transnistrian uh, uh, soldiers into the Transnistrian so-called army. <laughs> uh, it, I don't think it's going to be a problem. Let's, let's just take it one at a time. Uh, if Russia is defeated, then Transnistria is defeated, then Ossetia is defeated, then... You know, it, it just goes like a domino set, in my opinion. Uh, thank you very much for that, Christian. Uh, Liberal, uh, your hand is up, please. Uh, you have the floor. Thanks, John. Um, so, Christian, I agree with you on China's geopolitical goals. Um, no argument there. I think if I understood John's question, it was whether or not a brigade or division could push through through Russian-controlled areas, say the Donbass, and uh, whether they would be able to do that successfully. I don't think um, it was meant to say that the Ukrainians are going to push into Russia. You know, the Ukrainians really just want to... Yeah. Um, my question, let me clarify my question. My, qu uh, my question was related to Transnistria. I was asking if, you know, once, you know, the the Ukrainians, you know, hopefully, if and when the Ukrainians, you know, completely boot the Russians out of sovereign Ukrainian territory, um, if you think, it is, if anybody thought it was likely that they would, you know, send a brigade or two in to boot Russian forces out of Transnistria and restore Moldovan government control over Transnistria? That was my question. I, 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 I Liberal, if you can go ahead, I, I've got a response. 